Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Get ready. It's time for... Operation Late Night Excitement. Top rated late night radio. The awesomest night of all time. After dark. It's Late Night with Hancock and Kelly. You deserve a fun night. On KMOX. Hey there, welcome to the Hancock and Kelly's Not Here program. <laughs> Michael Kelly enjoying his first of two weeks in the uh, Emerald Isle of uh, Ireland. And we've been hearing sporadically from him, seeing some pictures and different things. He's there with a whole slew of family members. And he will be back with us uh, while the next time we're on the air Monday night, which won't be for a while because Cardinal Baseball will be taking over these airwaves on Monday evenings for the next five Monday nights, and uh, the Cardinals' schedule jam-packed. They just took three out of five from the Chicago Cubs. That was a huge series win last night uh, at Wrigley. And uh, we had our own big day in St. Louis. Joining me uh, in place of Michael Kelly is my old buddy Braxton Payne. He's with Show Me Victories here in St. Louis. We're not going to talk any politics tonight on this show, but we are going to talk about uh, what was just a tremendous uh, Enjoy Illinois 300 yesterday out at uh, the Worldwide yep. Technologies Raceway, and it was a, it was just a tremendous event and great for the city. Uh, definitely, I think one of the things that when these big sporting events come to St. Louis, uh, it's you know St. Louis definitely rallies around. No matter if it's out in West County, across the river in Madison, or right here in downtown St. Louis, um, you, you saw it with the PGA, you see it with the U.S. Olympic Trials. You know, NCAA wrestling has been here. We definitely rally, you know, rally around it with you know sixty thousand plus people there just on Sunday. Not to mention the events on Friday night at Ballpark Village and and then Saturday at the raceway with the with the truck series race. Yeah, and then they had the the trials also on Saturday to determine pole position, and it was a good race. A lot of lead changes throughout, no major crashes, which is always a good thing. The track generally, I think, received good reviews from the from the racers. This is going to be an annual NASCAR event in St. Louis. We've not ever had one before and it was a great race joey logano pulled it out uh, by just under a second over kyle bush uh, who defeated his brother kurt bush who finished <laughs> in third place in the race and they had the the green flag until the last couple of laps around and it was in those final two laps where logano took the lead a really exciting finish to that race and as, as you say braxton sixty thousand people yeah and a lot of concern about parking uh, they'd never seen that kind of crowd at the worldwide technologies raceway and but it all appeared to go off without a hitch yeah they seem to have uh you know fans from 49 states um which is amazing you know so it's great to sh you know showcase st louis i love that they did some stuff in ballpark village to really get people downtown as well 
um, you know, what it took to get here, you know, Dave Stewart personally took the the representatives from NASCAR over there, gave them a tour, you know, the bells and whistles say, hey, we're investing in this. This is exactly what we're going to do. Um, we want to have you here. Um, I think that's really important to have those cheerleaders in St. Louis to actually bring these big events here because we do have a lot to offer and, and we do rally around things. And it's great to see, you know, somebody that's from Alaska or Hawaii would probably never choose to vacation in St. Louis, but they got to see it. <laughs> <laughs> you make a point there. Uh, but they did come from 49 states, and it was it was really something else. And St. Louis, uh, for whatever its flaws may be, really is a great sporting venue. And you see all of these events that have come here, and we've had NCAA uh, tournaments yeah. here. Certainly the PGA that uh, was just here a couple of years ago, or I guess it was three years ago now, they, at, out at Belle Reve. That was a tremendous event. And again, the city and the fans got rave reviews. Yeah, and I, I think they're they're coming back. You look at the you know, you look at the the golf and we're going to the President's Cup in 2030. So 8 years from now, I know that seems like a far time away, but the fact that they're willing to come back to Belle Reve, I think is really important. Um, the NCAA, I think the wrestling uh, championship was here for something Just like here. five straight yep. years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, obviously they love it. We had the uh, NCAA Final Four hockey. Um, we invested $62 million in the Enterprise Center um, just, uh, you know, four or five years ago. $62 million. Um, and so with those upgrades come great events. And I think, you know, we, we hear a lot of talk about, you know, investments in stadiums, but I mean, it, it, it works. I mean, it brings people. I mean, we had hotel occupancy at 110%. I don't know exactly how that works out um, over the weekend. But I mean, somebody's sleeping on the floor. Yeah. So, so I mean, we have that and you have even even on the and on the other side of the river occupancy rates where uh, Chairman Mark Kern in St. St. Clair County was talking about it's the highest they've seen since. I mean, even pre-pandemic, he said even farther back than that. So, I mean, that's always great to see. That brings in revenue, gives people jobs, but also, you know, it's a great, um, you know, you see the skyline on television for the NASCAR. You know, it's important that we have a lot to offer. And I think living in St. Louis, we we get down on ourselves a lot. Um, I think we kind of get stuck in this turmoil. And it's always nice when somebody comes from out of town and is like, oh, this city's pretty cool. Well, there are, you know, there's a lot to do. It's a great city to eat in. I'll tell you that. You know, I know my food. I, there's a lot of stuff I don't know. But, buddy, I know my food. Yeah. And uh, this is a great city for dining out. It's no it's no Italy, you know, where PJ was. Hey, now. Uh, did you do a lot of good eating over there in uh, Italy? Lots of good eating. Lots of pizza, pasta, seafood, gelato, you name it. Wow. The basic yeah. core food groups, I think. <laughs> yeah. Best food item you consumed during your two weeks in a Italy? Florentine steak, which Ooh. they cook raw, which is not something that would normally get anywhere, a raw oh. steak, but that's just the Florentine way. And it's so, a raw steak? It's a raw steak. That and you ate amazing. it? It's, sorry, a rare steak. Yeah. Um, so, I, w- I mean, I wouldn't order a rare steak either, but uh, that was phenomenal. It just... I, I wanted to do as the locals did, so I ordered that rare Florentine steak, which they were famous for, and it was the best meal of the what whole What do trip. they do to it? Do they put anything on it? or uh, They they do the normal seasoning. Yeah. It's but, probably uh, just like one, like sear it on both sides, and that's about it yeah. for 30 <laughs> seconds. Yeah. Wow. Well, there you go. The Florentine steak, and, uh, and it, was that in Florence where you had the That Florentine? was in Florence, in Florence yeah. And, and there you go. Yeah. Well, that yeah. makes sense. It's like our toasted raviolis. It's, you know, same thing. Oh, yeah, very similar <laughs> to the Florentine steak, uh, our toasted ravioli. But the, the race was great. It was good for the city. I don't typically myself watch NASCAR. Yeah. Uh, but I made it a point to check that out, you know, and, and, and it was it was exciting. And the fans were into it, man, and those cars. I can see where you'd get such a charge out of being at an event like that. I mean, the oh, speed totally. and the sounds and the smells. I mean, it had to have been 
just a phenomenal experience. Well, not to mention that they had a great lineup of music. Um, you know, in the parking lot, they had Old Dominion, which is one of the biggest country artists right, right now. On uh, after the race, they had Nelly on on Saturday, I believe, and they had a great lineup. I mean, that takes a lot to get those types of talents um, to any type of event, and they were able to do that as well. So, you know, kudos to the promoters. There. They had our friend from the Voice. What was her name? Kennedy. Uh, oh yeah, 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 she yeah sang the anthem mm-hmm. and uh, with the symphony orchestra. Yeah, in in the background there, it was lovely. It was just it was the weather was perfect. It was just a great day. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, first off, I regret not going. Uh, my father went, but you know, one of the things that somebody mentioned to me is like, you know, oh, I didn't get you know ads for this or anything like that, and they still sold out. I mean, obviously, on here on KMOX, they, you know, they're promoting a lot of it. Yeah. Um, but it's like interesting, like you said, you made a point to watch it, and I think. You know, I had a lot of friends who were like, well, we didn't really know what was going on, but like everyone on Sunday was like, hey, are you going to watch the race? Are you going to go to Ballpark Village? Because they had a watch party for yeah. people that couldn't make it. So I think it's great for NASCAR to come into new markets as well and to be able to promote what they're doing. Yeah, it really is good for NASCAR. Formula One has made such um, yeah. inroads in this country uh, of late. And, uh, you know, I think NASCAR, that was a good shot in the arm for them, and they'll be back. Yeah, I mean, Formula One, I've become a huge fan because of the Drive to Survive uh, series on Netflix. And it's increased viewership in the United States by 60%. Oh, I can believe Um, it. And the revenue has increased by 22% just in three years, or two years, excuse me, since that uh, Netflix show has come on. I mean, you know, America was an untapped market, and now we're having three or four races every every year. I knew when my buddy Michael Kelly got into it. (laughs) I told him to. That was, I I will take full credit for that. He was a guy that said uh, race car driving is not a real sport. That was his position for many a year. Uh, but he no longer has that opinion, yes. and he's he's now a big Formula One fan. And I uh, kind of dug the whole NASCAR scene, so that was good. Good sports for St. Louis. Well, we got a lot coming up on the program tonight. Just around the corner, we're going to visit with our sports insider, John Hancock from Chicago. He had an experience at Wrigley Field over the weekend. We'll hear all about that. What's the big deal about this Top Gun movie? Braxton and I are going to break that down. I've got a story about the oldest officer who fought on D-Day. For the United States uh, in 1944. And then the 9 o'clock hour, our weekly visit with Sean Michael Lyle. So much fun coming your way. It's Hancock and Kelly on a Monday night on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now, back to Hancock and Kelly. Sponsored by Insperity. HR that makes a difference. On News Radio 1120, KMOX. And welcome back to Hancock and Kelly, regular listeners of this Monday evening show. All four of you will know that this is the time that uh, John Hancock joins us from Chicago, Illinois, his new hometown, our sports insider. And there's a lot to talk about today, John. And you spent some time at Wrigley's Field over the weekend. I did. I did. How's it going tonight? It's all good, good brother. Good, good. Yeah, so I was at, had the misfortune of going to that Saturday day game at Wrigley. Yeah, and uh, I I got to tell you, I completely forgot about the absolute depravity of Cubs fans. <laughs> this is a group of people. They care more about making snakes out of their beer cups. You know, you see that they drink the beer, they stack the cups, they yeah. get like hundreds of them there. Yeah, I saw it. They have bases loaded, two two count. You have some jabroni standing up yelling, "Cups to the left, cups to the left," for them to make a snake. I heard a guy yelling at Lou Pinella to pinch hit Derek Lee. These people can't even spell baseball. These Cubs fans are absolutely clueless. And it's honestly disgusting that they consider themselves baseball fans. So, did you have any strong feelings on, on the subject? Uh, so, no, it was terrible. You saw that blown call on Edmund. Bases oh, loaded. The ball was, was halfway to Milwaukee. Yeah, we were just talking about that. It may be the worst ball and strike call, given the circumstances and the place in the game that I have ever Scene and what did you think about Ali Marmol coming out of the dugout? Wasn't that not that awesome? Was, that was awesome. So I didn't have a great view of the pitch, so I saw him. He was out there blowing a gasket, didn't get tossed. So I knew after that it must have been a terrible, terrible call. Yeah, he did toss him. He tossed him, uh, but it was it was a horrible call. So I don't. Yeah, you were kind of hooked around the corner there. I, your seat. No, yeah, I, I, I missed him getting tossed. So that's news to me. Yeah, yeah he got <laughs> he got tossed. So what he did, he, he went out, he yelled, he got tossed. And then, you know, they're standing out near the batter's, batter's uh, on-deck circle. And Marmol goes over to home plate. He shows the umpire, here's the strike zone. He puts his hands on both sides of the plate. And then he draw, uh, drew a line eight inches inside in the dirt and said that's where the ball was. And then he, and then he ejected the umpire. <laughs> he totally cost the umpire. It was uh, it was classic. It was. Uh, I I love love to see that that fire from the dugout. Yeah, no kidding. He, uh, and I got to I got to tell you, it was an absolute nightmare hearing that miserable "Go Cubs Go" song leaving Wrigley. 
jingle out of the 40s. I can't believe it hasn't been canceled yet, to be honest with you. Were you sitting behind one of the poles that you can't see the entire game at? That's how old that yeah, place so is? I, I was actually in the rooftops, and uh, they got that brand new scoreboard that was <laughs> blocking half the outfield. I could see the plate, but uh, not much else. Wow. Well, you know, that next time you'll have to rectify that. You Ubered, I hope. No, we, we take the train here in Chicago. Oh, you take baby. the train. Well oh, done. Look Very at that nice. public transit. Did you guys go out in Wrigleyville at all? Is that is that still happening as it's always been? So it, it's happening, but it's been uh, overtaken by Bricks and what you'd call the suburban boomers. They uh, <laughs> love to pack that place. It really kind of kills the vibe. So we ended up heading south, going to some dive bars, less crowded scene. <laughs> I bet you the, the Malort was probably cheaper down there, too. Absolutely, absolutely. Now you were telling you were telling me that there was a bar in Chicago that w- that was full of blues fans during the playoffs. Yeah, so shockingly, there's not a Cardinals bar here, and there wasn't a Blues bar, but there's some Ohio State bar, and they realized they had a money making opportunity, pivoted to the becoming a Blues bar, just completely throwing the Blue Jackets to the wind. <laughs> you go in there, there's all these flags for Ohio State, the Bengals, the Reds, and then the Blues. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's a smart business opportunity. I've, I've been up to the, I'm a Georgia football fan, as some of you know, and uh, the, the Georgia football bar up there is, is, is top notch. I'll have to send that one to you if you want to watch some real football instead yeah, of Mizzou. I mean, who, who wouldn't? No, I, I, mean, I, I got the Rutgers bar here. <laughs> <laughs> Heart of Big Ten country, the Big Ten's best team. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. All right. Now, you've been following, and much closer, much more closely than I, but you've been following the NBA finals, which apparently now are all not. Nodded up at one game apiece. Yeah, I'll nod it up. And uh, my prediction now, Celtics in seven. I feel pretty confident mm. about that. Uh, and Jason Tatum, the Celtics are going to live and die by him. Yeah. So if you look at the box score, you might think that he had a uh, better game on game uh, two where they lost because he put up 28 points versus 12 in game one. He went six for nine from the three in game two, but he had a minus 36. That means when he was on the court, the Warriors uh had a lead of 36 points while he was out there. And he's at his best when he's attacking the rim and he's distributing and he's engaging on defense. So they're going to need him to be more physical, step up, get everyone else involved for them to have a chance to win this thing. So you're a little bit, because isn't, uh, aren't the Golden State Warriors the favorites by, by, by the Vegas books? They are. They are. Um, you know, they got worked in game one. I, I don't know if you saw that. They had a uh, 12-point lead going into the fourth, and the game was over with five minutes to go. That's how quickly the Celtics came. Al Horford, he's oldest uh, or most games played before a finals appearance, I think, in the history of the league. He came out with a strong showing. Uh, The Warriors, Draymond Green, uh, did you guys, either of you watch the game last night? I, I watched, missed it. I watched portions of it. You yes. did. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it's fun. So, I mean, NBA is fun to bet on. I mean, it's one of the best things, you know, to bet on. And Draymond was out there playing football. He got a technical, I want to say like six minutes in, and he kept going, and they wouldn't give him a second one. And they got to change that because they have, that's how LeBron beat him in 2016. They double-teched Draymond, kicked him out through the series, let the Cavs come back. And ever since then, the refs have been gun-shy about giving them two techs to throw him out well, of the What's the problem with the guy? Is he a hothead or something? He's a hothead. It's part of his game. He gets under your skin. I mean, he's the ultimate glue guy, maybe the best glue guy since Rasheed Wallace on the Pistons. He goes out there, gives it his all. He's not a great shooter. Charles Barkley actually had a great joke at him. They had him mic'd up during pregame, and he said, Draymond, why are you shooting if you're not shooting in the game? <laughs> well, there you go. So you're you're picking the Celtics in seven. We're gonna That'll be over. won't be over next week, but 
it'll be over what middle of next week sometime or middle yeah they got these games spaced out like crazy it was game one was thursday game two was yesterday i don't think they play again until wednesday ah so it'll be a little while yet all right anything uh of note in the in the nfl while we have you uh so baker mayfield still looking for a team (laughs) uh not not looking good for him uh there's rumors he might be going to the saints but honestly i take Jameis winston over him wow might the CFL be a possibility for uh, Baker Mayfield? I, I think he's got a few more bridges to burn until he's heading over to the CFL. But, you know, I think 2026, he'll be lucky to get a CFL spot. He, he, he might end up being the quarterback for our own St. Louis Battle Hawks. Well, I was just about to say, uh, yeah. the XFL's coming back, and they just assigned, you know, uh, they just assigned some head coaches for some franchises, looks like. Um, will, will you support the St. Louis Battle Hawks if Baker comes to St. Louis? Uh, I can't do that. I mean, you know, I, a man's got to have a code. A man's got to have a principle. I I can't support that fraud of a human being. <laughs> I just don't understand what what makes him so bad. I mean, he seems like a nice enough guy. Oh, I, I, I mean, the I, ego on the guy. Really? Yeah, I, I'm with him on this. Yeah, right. yeah I, I'm not a fan. I, I just America's love... waking up. Yeah, where, where did he go to college? Oklahoma yeah. started it. Uh, so I went to tech. I went to Georgia. Uh, or I I went to the Georgia uh, Oklahoma game at the Rose Bowl, yeah. and when we beat them, and I watched them cry, and I I want to think that was one of the highlights of of my sporting career as a fan. He cried, Baker Mayfield. Oh yeah, he he a little humanity after a loss, you know, not tears of victory. No, no, I understand, uh, but that's you know, that's a, that's some humanity there. You got to respect <laughs> well, that. I mean, it's uh, I like I only pref- if you're gonna cry, you better have just hoisted the trophy like Kevin Garnett. <laughs> well, there it is, folks. John Hancock, our sports insider. He joins us as he does every Monday that we're on the air here on The Voice of St. Louis. Hey, John, before you go, have you seen the new Top Gun movie yet? I have not. i barely seen the original. Any desire to see the new Top Gun movie? Uh, not particularly, but it's getting great reviews, so who knows? Well, we're going to break down that movie. Braxton Payne is with me here on The Voice of St. Louis. We'll see you right around the corner after this. On Game OX. Thank you, John. About to be a great night. Really good tonight. Yeah. This is one hell of a night. Now, back to Late Night with Hancock and Kelly on King of OX. Hey there, John Hancock alongside Braxton Payne sitting in for the vacationing again. Michael Kelly. And, you know, if you are regular listeners uh, of me, you know what a student of pop culture I am. <laughs> and, uh, so there's this movie out that everybody's talking about. It's got Tom Cruise in it 50 years after he made the first one or whatever. And he's still playing the same guy and he still looks the same. Scientology for you. Yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> uh, you know, his original love interest was Kelly McGillis. She's uh, <clears throat> she's no longer the love interest in this movie. And um, But Tom Cruise has moved on and it's uh, Top Gun 2, I guess, it, what's it called? Maverick. Maverick. Yeah. yeah and he's still flying... The whatever planes it out there and everybody's talking about it and I I don't know what's the big deal Brax well I think so one of the things that I think it's remarkable we haven't had a real movie like this since COVID started so since 2019 it's been the talk of everywhere I mean every radio station television station entertainment Twitter Facebook we're ev- talking about it and I don't even, yeah, even exactly. know anything, anything everyone's about it. talking about it I mean it's already amassed 291.6 million dollars in just North America alone um, that you know broke another record of the, the War of the Worlds, which I've never heard of. Um, you know, had two hundred thirty-four point three million uh, total, and that was you know throughout their entire run in theaters. So, I mean, I just think that they've put 
that you know they started filming this I think in 2017, 2018. Ah. So it's been forever. You know, it's postponed because of COVID. Right. So there's been a lot of talk about it when it first started to film. But I mean, they've spent million dollars on marketing. But I think it's just kind of run its course. I mean, Top Gun was one of the most popular movies. 1996 is when it came out. 86. 86. Buddy. I mean, we're talking 86. So before I was, I was born, I was graduating from college when Tom Cruise was in there. Now wait a minute. How old is Tom Cruise? Let's uh, let's do a little. Yeah, let's I go mean, to the research vault. He has to be oh, close to sixty. Uh, you, or you around would 60. think. Now, so do not these pilots actually age out in the, in like real life? You can't be flying planes when you're sixty years old. Tom, Tom Cruise is fifty nine. Fifty nine. All right. Thanks. Surely there aren't any fifty nine year old fighter pilots in the United States uh, military. I mean, I would think so. Yeah. One of the things that I thought that they did, though, too, is they made the Unrealistic. Actual, That's they, what I'm calling Well, they same. made the actual people like Miles Teller and all them that were in the the planes actually film themselves. So they actually had to go in these fighter jets, and they had to turn on the cameras for themselves and all this. They actually were, like, actually in the planes. Obviously, they weren't flying them themselves. Yeah. But I will say that Miles Teller uh, has blown up on social media. I think she he's on my wife's social media. He has a, a wife or a girlfriend that has posted just pictures of him and I think it's just become this whole counterculture or subculture of this movie that all the girls are just loving on Miles Teller like they did in Tom Cruise in 1986. So, Well, that's fascinating. Is yeah. this thing getting in a decent reviews or... So, yeah, I, I haven't heard. I've heard one person say that it wasn't great. I think Kevin Wheeler actually is seeing it tonight, so I'll be interested to hear his review uh-huh. on the on the show tomorrow. Um, but I think, I mean, I've my coworker said it was great. He goes, you need to go see it. I, w- I want to see it. Um, I want to see it in IMAX. We were actually supposed to see it on Sunday, and I said, well, I told my buddy, I said, we should just shave mustaches in like the rest of the movie and go in, and go in character because well, I feel I, like that would be fun. I've got a friend that's a pilot. He said that the maneuvers in this thing are d- completely unrealistic. Oh, well, the airplanes don't It is do, Hollywood. They, well, that's right. And so here you got this. AARP member flying a plane that doesn't <laughs> doesn't do the things that it you know it purports to do. Uh, the whole premise of the thing, it's just I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe maybe it's just me. Yeah, but like but I I, I almost, don't I don't I don't get it. But I almost feel like if I don't see it, yeah. I'm left out. Like I you know I it was kind of like you know left I out loved of what? It, like left out of the conversation. You know like Avatar well, we're, was we're talking about it now. Yeah, Avatar was one of those movies for me. Like and I think that came out in 2008. All my friends were seeing it. I was like, no, no, no. I wasn't like a big, I'm not a big movie person. Yeah. Like I'll watch a movie, you know, here and there, but I'm not a big movie person. And when Avatar came out, I was like, oh, I got to see it. Saw it in 3D, loved it, and never watched it again because I, I was like, you can't ruin it when you see it in 3D. You know, once you've seen the greatest 3D movie ever made, though, as, as I have. Cars. Uh, it, it makes it a lot more difficult to go and try and replicate that experience. No, I'm talking about the Three Stooges. <laughs> and... Uh, and when uh, when when Mo puts those fingers in your eye, man, it, it's incredible. I mean, it's just incredible. And you're and Curly doing the whoop 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 right at you. And they, you know, I saw that in the theater when I was in high school, and I thought this might be the greatest motion picture experience of my life. Um, well, I don't even know how to follow that. I mean, I mean, I'm, I mean well, we I were think... talking about the popcorn. So, you know, you go to you go to the movie and you get, you know, you get you get the bucket of popcorn yes. there. And then and then which is almost a necessary part. Of yeah. Going to I see mean, a if, movie, if you're going right? to go to sit through something and watch a 60 year old fly a plane, you better get some popcorn. So you get one of those buckets and they got the buckets on the wall there and you got the little bucket. And you say eh, nobody gets the little bucket. 
And then they got the kind of medium-sized bucket, which, you know. Which is not medium. Let's be honest. It's like it's extra large. Yeah. I mean, but the medium's I mean, extra large. If you're there with George Ann, you're probably going to need to go to the final bucket, the, the, the monster bucket. The one that's free refills that nobody refills. Yeah. And, and, but, and then you take this perfectly good popcorn and you stick it under this, this pump of yellow goo, which is not butter, I've come to understand. Mm. It's a butter-like substance. I can't believe it's not butter. And pump and pump this crap all over your popcorn, and I, I can't believe this is well, good for you. And and the, one of the things, the two that they have now is, like, the seasoning packets. So you can have, like, Ooh. you know, it's just, like, the salt, but then you can have, like, the caramel seasoning or, like, there's one that's ranch-flavored, I saw. Ooh. There's one that's, like, barbecue-flavored. So it's not just, you know, the traditional butter popcorn. Now it's 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 those things. So you do those things in lieu of the yellow goo, or you do no, the I yellow think, goo I, I with No, I think the... you can do both. I think oh. you can just, like, I mean, I think it's, you know, because now you can put your own butter on it. At most movie theaters, that's the ones I go to. Yeah, the pump. You yeah, the, yeah, yeah. You, you the got pump. the pump, but it's a little button now. It's not even a pump. It's just like, and then it automatically. They've got a turns. button now. Yeah, and then you just kind of go. Fascinating. And I think one of the things too. By by the way, there's a milk duds shortage um, in America. What? Yes, um, it's one of the many things that the supply chain has got. But what is your favorite, uh, you know, movie theater? You know, chocolate snack. I guess a, a sweet snack yeah. versus the salty popcorn. You know, I kind of I, I like those little uh, what do you call them with the, the snow caps. Yes, yeah, that's exactly the. They got the little white. Yeah, uh, the little white things are chocolate. Yeah, yeah with the, they have a little bit of crunch on them. Yes, I think, yeah, those are amazing. I would agree with that. That's one of my top favorites. Yeah, I love the Hershey's uh, cookies and cream too. Yeah, it's my bad. favorite. Now, now, what's in a milk dud? Because uh, oh. it's been like a, that's that's chewy, right? The milk dud. A little got, bit. Yeah. Uh, is, is there caramel in it? No, not really. I, it's some kind of mysterious. Is it caramel or caramel? That's the real question. Goo. It's brown goo in in the milk dud. Yeah. And so you put the yellow goo on your popcorn. You get the brown goo in your chocolate. I I gotta tell you, you're probably putting you're probably making an investment in your restroom experience there. Oh, oh yeah, you for sure. After yeah. the or, movie, or, hopefully the movie's might, not more than two and a half hours. Might plug you up. If you're think about it. But well, that's another thing. I, I'm, I'm tired of movies being over like two hours. I mean, like these three hour plus movies, it's just too long. If too much. You, it's too much. An hour and a half is, is a good movie. And if me. you get one of those, one of those, you know, soda things. Oh, the, oh yeah. The, what the, the fountain Coca-Cola. I mean, yeah. you can't, you can't really, or the, 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 slush, the slurpees, the slushies. Ooh. Oh, those are, you know, you can't beat the so ices. The if ices, you're getting a 40 called. ounce slurpee and you got a tub of butter goo. It sounds like diabetes. Yeah. Um, and you're, there's no way you're going to make it through a three-hour movie without having to, you know, miss a part of so, it. So when you go see a movie, uh, I know you went to see one recently with your wife. Yeah. Do you, do you do the traditional movie theater where it has the traditional seats, or do you do the what I consider the new age ones with the little bit that has a little bit of a recliner in oh. them or not? Oh, yeah. We had these these double wides, man. Oh, yeah. The little couches? Yeah. Little, I mean, it's, love a, seats. it's a, like a double. I mean, for me, it's not for two. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a nice big old, I wish they had those on airplanes. But uh, oh, the problem with those things, when you get to be my age, is that it's very hard to get through a movie without snoring. <laughs> and, uh, and and so we saw, what the heck did that, it was just a month ago. Sandra Bullock was Sandra the Sandra Bullock was in the yeah, movie. Yeah, we talked to, uh, who's, who's our was, friend that's uh, the movie critic? Uh, Ryan. Well, yeah. I think it's his first name. Yeah, I know. About that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the things I have to see. What the heck in, was the name of that? Thing? I have to see the movies. In like those types of recliners, but you're right. So I have to see the movies in the middle of the day 
So my wife always yeah. wants to go to the movies. Like, hey, let's go to a movie after dinner. Like either after dinner, oh, which is like the nine o'clock movie, kiss of death for or me. let's I... do like the seven o'clock movie and do an early happy hour I dinner. Well, light. if it's a happy hour dinner, then there's three or four glasses of wine, and, and then it's, it's nap time. Yeah, you're it's, it's totally done. Yeah, you can't you just can't do it. Uh, did we find out the name of that Sandra Bullock movie? Because she was uh, running from somebody out in the so, it was like woods. water something. I think we it talked was about the water over the edge or. It was with the a- the ambulance. The ambulance. Was that the one? It you was saw? the ambulance. Was it the ambulance? Or just no? Yeah. Well, I think we thought about we got going our to see the ambulance. Researcher over here. Yeah. Well, the research department is very busy here at the Voice of St. Louis this evening because you know basically Braxton and I have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> um, that's all about to change though. Oh yes. Yes. Today, the sixth of June, two thousand twenty-two. It was seventy-eight years ago, where one hundred sixty thousand troops, uh, Allied troops stormed the beaches at Normandy and began what became the beginning of the end of the Adolf Hitler reign of terror. And among the soldiers that day was the oldest American soldier to storm the beach. I'm going to tell you all about him. You might be surprised who it was. And that's next on Camel X. Two for two. It's Hancock and Kelly on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. That's lovely, PJ. That's very nice. Braxton Payne is alongside. I'm John Hancock. We found out the name of the movie we were talking about was uh, uh, The Lost City. With <laughs> I almost Moore. forgot it again. <laughs> so today is the 78th anniversary of the D-Day invasion on the beaches of Utah and Normandy. And France and the United States and their allies sent 160,000 troops Many of them to their death, thousands of them to their death that day, um, storming onto the beaches and amphibious landing, uh, the likes of which, uh, the audacity of it, uh, was absolutely unreal. And it turned out to be the turning point of World War II. And one of the commanders of one of the boats that day was 56 years old. He was the oldest soldier to land on the beaches that day, uh, June 6, 1944. He was, by that point, uh, he had the rank of brigadier general. He had retired from the Army after World War I, having achieved the rank of colonel. He was highly decorated in World War I and went on to some political service and, and some other service in the military. He uh, was one of the founders of what today we know as the USO that takes care of our servicemen and women in so many ways, the big USO that we have out at Lambert Airport, uh, you're probably familiar with. Well, on this day, he's commanding a boat, and he gets off of the boat on the beach. They're under heavy fire, and uh, all he has with him is his cane and a pistol. That's all he has as he gets off the boat, and he's commanding the men. He's leading them, and all of these troops had assignments that were pre-designed, and, and they were going to the area they were supposed to seize, the high ground they were supposed to take. And and they were going along, and, and this fellow with his cane was waving his cane in the air and directing his troops. And he, he soon realized that the path that they were to have taken that day wasn't the best route for them. Once he got on the land, he could see that. And so taking the bull by the horns, he redirects his men uh, in a completely different area, and they successfully took, seized the ground they had. The folks that served with him said he was incredibly calm in battle. He was such an inspiration 
being in his 50s, having fought um, and seen lots of heavy war uh, fighting in World War One, And he came back and, and volunteered. He was in business, and he, he went to a, a, a reunion of sorts, a kind of a retraining of sorts in 1940, and decided, and this was before Pearl Harbor, before we got into World War II, but he decided that he was going to re-enlist then in 1940 at the age of 52. And they weren't going to, his commanding officer, the major general, was not going to allow him to serve uh, on the D-Day invasion. And he obviously didn't walk well. He had a cane. But um, this gentleman sent a letter um, saying that his men that he had been commanding now for years trusted him, relied on him, uh, that he would bring a sense of calm to them if he were allowed to lead them. And the major general relented, and he allowed this man uh, to go. And and he did brilliant, heavily decorated after the D-Day invasion. And a really remarkable story of someone that, well, it's a name we're all going to recognize, Theodore Roosevelt Jr. Wow. Um, Brigadier General Theodore Roosevelt Jr. that day. And he went on and died shortly after the war, before he even came home um, of a heart attack when, when they were right at the end of the war. But he knew that the United States had prevailed. And uh, what, what valiant, valiant service he gave to his country. And we remember heroes like Theodore Roosevelt Jr. on this D-Day 2022. Yeah, I, th- I think it's something that, like, you know, these types of stories, you know, get passed down from generation to generation. And sometimes, you know, they can get, you know, in movies or things like that. But, I mean, growing up, you know, in the time of 9-11, I'm hearing a lot of, like, people that I know that, you know, volunteered for service, you know, right after 9-11, served in Afghanistan and yeah. then later Iraq. And, you know, it's something that, you know, I, I think a lot of times it's 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 distant to a lot of us that haven't served. Um, it's very personal to a lot of people that have served. Um, but it's something that, you know, these stories should continue to be passed down and make sure that, you know, nothing in this country is, is taken, you know, for granted. And our freedom is definitely not free. You know, and we're so divided as a, as a people now. And it was just 20 years ago. I remember after 9-11... Uh, there was very little division in in the country. The, I mean, most people supported George W. Bush. Oh yeah, his his popularity went through the roof uh, there for a while, <laughs> and then. Uh, but I remember driving down neighborhood streets, and every home had a flag up. It seemed. Yeah. And you know that we just that was so recently uh, in our past, and then here we are today, where it's. People don't even talk to one another. Yeah, I mean, do you think, though, too, I mean, so 9-11, obviously, we had television. We had cable news. You know, we had the 24-hour news networks. Mm-hmm. So we were able to see what was going on. We were able to see those families with the pictures outside of Ground Zero saying, hey, have you seen this person? Yeah. Um, which was something very emotional for weeks after 9-11. I mean, something that's very vivid in my memory. Everyone remembers where they were. Yeah. Do you think that now we've become so desensitized to war and to seeing, you know, even like we see these things that happen in Ukraine or, you know, Syria when they gas children. Yeah. You know, it's in the news for a couple of weeks and we, we just don't see that anymore. And we just come so desensitized because we see it all the time. Well, I mean, I think that's the case with a lot of things. We've talked, spent a lot of time talking gun violence. And right. there's a desensitization, I'm afraid, that's taking place there. Uh, violence in our streets. You know, three people get shot in St. Louis on a... Friday night, and, I, you know, 
There, there's, it's the top hit on the news for uh, half a day, yeah, and and, it, and it'll happen again, and yeah. you know, and so it's just so there is that. Uh, I do think that um, something as traumatic as nine eleven would, uh, it could anyway, it, it produce the kind of unity again that mm-hmm. we saw then. I mean, God forbid we don't want to live through something like that again. But in even, you know, a decade before that event, we had the liberation of Kuwait, which was also televised. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite movies of all time is Live from Baghdad. It was an HBO movie, and it went through the CNN correspondents that were there. And it's just a, you know, it's not a, you know, it's not a documentary, um, but it was just them talking about, or it's one of the best movies. It's on actually YouTube now. Yeah. Like, that's how you can watch it. Um, And I'll I'll never forget watching that movie for the first time. I was probably 14, 15. Rub it in. And and I watched that movie, but like, you know, obviously they use live footage of Kuwait and in those hospitals. Um, you know, that were, you know, they were trying to, you know, prop them up and say nothing was happening here. And it was, you know, pretty dramatic and going through that. And, you know, even like then it's like these CNN reporters. Now CNN is a dirty word to a lot of people. You know, Fox News is a dirty word to a lot of people. But those were real journalists that, that were in hiding in bathtubs from the Iraqi army trying to just report what was going on when the U.S. bombed Baghdad. Yeah. And I remember... You know, liberating Kuwait, which that took place before we went uh, into Iraq. But in liberating Kuwait, the, the Iraqis had these what they called their Republican guards, yes. their elite troops. Saw that, and and the U.S. military just rolled them over in, <laughs> in in like a day and a half. It was incredible. We took no casualties in that thing, and I think Russia expected the same kind of thing in Agreed. Ukraine. Um, that didn't work out, and I'm afraid that conflict's going to be going on for a long time. Well, we wanted to remember D-Day and. Um, wanted to tell that story when we come back it's going to be our weekly visit with sean michael lyle that's next on KMOX. we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 